0: On behalf of the Bookshop, on behalf of Text Publishing and the Church of All Nations, a welcome. Uh, first, I want to say that we meet tonight on the traditional lands of the Kulin Nation and that whenever we do something to do with politics and culture in Australia, we should also acknowledge the fact of British invasion of Australia and that the crimes committed during that invasion have never been properly admitted in this country and have never been properly compensated. Now to tonight's event with Helen Garner and Chloe Hooper talking about the new editions of Helen's books, Monkey Grip and The Children's Bark. Helen Garner is the author of 13 books, all the way from her novel Monkey Grip, to her account of the crime and trial of Robert Farquharson, This House of Grief, to her book of essays Everywhere I Look. Chloe Hooper is the author of the novels A Child's Book of True Crime and the novel The Engagement, and the nonfiction books The Tall Man, Life and Death on Palm Island, and now, just this year, The Arsonist A Mind on Fire. It's rare to have any author who can excel at non fiction, reporting, essay writing, and who can also master the beautiful, stranger, darker art of fiction. We have two of these authors here tonight. Please make them welcome.
1: welcome. Thank you, it's um, such a, uh, an honour and a pleasure to be in conversation with Helen and to talk to her about her um, extraordinary and wonderful first two novels. Um, Helen, I was hoping that tonight we could go back to um, the, the beginning or at least sort of pre-Monkey Grips publication, I think. Um, people love to hear writers, creations, myths, and I do too, but sort of I was wondering if you could tell us about when you first felt that you would like to be a writer.
2: Well, I feel as if, firstly I should say, I feel as if everything I'm going to say tonight I've probably said about 100. Times before yes, that's the, the terrible thing about being this age that you, I, I was just about to launch on on a brilliance fact and then I thought oh shit I know I've said that before okay look so sorry if you've heard it before um, I'm the eldest of six children and I was always very keen to get away from the rest of them and and I liked um, I used to find little posies in you know back sheds and places like that where I could go and. Get away from the chaos of everything, and uh, and I used to have you know, special paper and um, pens, and and I, I, it was a sort of secret thing that I did, really, writing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whatever happened to anything I wrote, they weren't stories or anything usable. But I um, but see, I mean, when I was young, even when I was at university. Uh, I never imagined I I would, you know, be a writer. It never crossed my mind because all the writers were men and, you know, all the writers that we thought were famous and good were pretty much men and also they weren't Australian. So I thought, you know, it never occurred to me that I could um, be a writer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just used to do it. I used to write lots of letters, a huge letter writer Mm. and... uh, and then I started writing diaries at a certain point. When, what point was that? Diaries. Mm. Oh, you know, back in the mists of time, you know, before I... <laughs> when I was a, a teenager, On papyrus, you were sort of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, I scraped them on stones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Okay. But there's a moment where um, you're keeping a diary in, I presume, the, the early 70s, mm-hmm. uh, living... Uh, not not too far from this neck of the woods, mm. and um, suddenly you, you, you have a vision, I guess, that, that all the material in these diaries feels novelistic to you. Or what, what, what can you... Yeah, can I, you no, I do remember,
2: I remember this quite well. <clears throat> um, I mean, like, it wasn't a blinding illumination or anything. I, I You're just...
1: in church, so let's build it up.
2: <laughs> no, it was more like... Um, well, I was in the middle of having a very messy and ridiculous affair with a drug addict. and we, we know about that. And you know about that. But, you know, it's important to know about that because I, I thought while it was still happening, I, I was thinking, this is actually a story. This is probably the first story that's ever happened to me or that I could sense that there was something happening which was coming around in a curve. Yeah. Yes. And it hadn't... Quite got to the end yet, mm. but I knew that there was going to be an end. Yes, yeah. And I didn't know what the end would be. Mm. Uh, I mean, it could have been a death, I suppose. Yes. But as it turned out, it wasn't. But I thought, well, um, I'll go back to, I'll get the diaries, and they were just all you know, ex- exercise books. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll go down to the state library, and I'll just sit there, and I'll take take them down and. And read them and see if there's anything in there that might be, um, well, I don't know if the word novel occurred to me, Mm. but book-like in some way. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that and I started really enjoying myself. Yes. And I, um, so I I just kind of copied out Still working by hand. Mm. I just copied. I had the exercise book that was the diary was there, and I had another clean, nice, new exercise book there. Mm. And I just copied down all the bits that seemed to me to be interesting or well written or not embarrassing, not too embarrassing. So
1: and, who? and
2: the boring bits okay. I skipped.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. How long? How long did this sort of process take?
2: Um, I think probably a year or maybe two, mm. I, don't, I don't quite remember.
1: Yeah. And were you keep, would you keep a diary and then, you know, um, were you sort of still keeping a diary and using that material while you were
2: working on y- Yeah, the... so I, in a sense I sort of caught up with myself. Yes, OK. Um, yeah, uh, I th- think that's what happened. It's a bit hard to, it's a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I think of the um, Henry James' advice in um, The Art of Fiction, try to be someone on whom nothing is lost. Um. I love that.
2: (laughs) I think that's really a wonderful piece of advice. Yes. And And, and it, it really means, I think, don't think that anything is too small to be noticed. Uh, and that's what's useful about a diary is that people, y- you r- tend to write in your diary things that are quite small and which, um, and, and I sp- actually I'm only just, this is only just occurring to me now, that the process of um, writing in a diary just to kind of let off steam or to, you know, um, you know, soothe your broken heart or whatever it is you're doing it for, uh, y- you're not thinking this is publishable. You're not imagining that someone else is going to read it, but you're just writing for the um, just the pleasure and the gratification of pushing your pen across the page and forming sentences, which mm. relieves some pressure that you feel in inside. And uh, and so, I suppose. Uh, if, if I really was catching up with myself, you would think that would have ma- made the writing m- more self-consciously literary, but I wouldn't have known if what I was writing was literary or not back then. You know, I was just going to bust a gut if I didn't get it down on the paper, basically. Do you think in some ways the diaries were almost your apprenticeship? Yes, I do. And, um, and, and all the letters that I wrote just... That was a, Letters are a different thing because you are actually, you've got an audience, you know, are, someone's going to read them. Yeah. But um, Janet Malcolm says somewhere that um, letters are uh, actually not, not as much acts of communication as we think they are because what, what we're really dying for is to get a letter from someone else because mm. that's going to give us an excuse to write something. Mm. Uh, it's all pretty narcissistic on one level,
1: I guess. I, yeah, a letter, I guess, is a, sort of more of a performance. Uh, yeah. Whereas yeah. the diary, it seems like there was an intimacy, mm. um, but it was also a, a place where you
2: honed your eye and... Um, Practised. It's yeah. a way of practising. Yeah. And, the, and I still do that, now. I still keep a diary now, and I, I notice that the older I get, the more anxious I feel about forgetting things. And so uh, I think there's probably a lot of really quite tedious stuff in my diary now. And um, I, uh, the urge to write it is the urge not, not, not to forget things mm. like things my grandchildren do or say or, mm. or um, terrible stories that people tell me about themselves. And, uh, but, yeah.
1: You, you spoke of the pleasure um, you felt in um, crafting this material into, into something, you know, novelistic and following the curve that you'd, you'd yeah. noticed um, in, the, in the affair. Mm. And um, I wonder, you know, that's a, it's a sort of rich moment, I think, before you're first published because even if it might have been terrifying, I don't know what you sort of thought um, would become of this manuscript. Mm. There's also enormous freedom that
2: you maybe don't ever get back in yeah, quite the same way. That is so true, and that's why people's second books are always so <laughs> terrible to write. <laughs> I mean, a they are terrible, and b they're hard to write because now you th- now you know that people are going to read what you're writing, and you're thinking, well, you know now I am a writer, and I better write like a writer. and so a lot of pompous kind of <laughs> but, um, posturing can happen um,
1: well let's let's let's. Let's grapple with that you know, <laughs> p- possible outcome to the situation in, in a moment. But you um, you deliver this manuscript to a, a, a pretty new publishing house, Gribble, and um, there's a sort of a moment where your originality—I mean, it, it re- on the page, it, you you. It's like you're a writer who, who comes out the, the f- fully, you know, um, there's a little, you brush off a tiny bit of eggshell, but I mean your voice <laughs> is so um, formed on the page. And um, you've, you this is this sort of, I mean, groundbreaking manuscript, but you deliver it to, um, to them. Can you tell
2: us what, I mean, do you remember the... Yes, I do, I vividly remember. I got on my bike and I knew that there were these Hilary McPhee and Diana Gribble who I'd vaguely known not well at university. They were kind of contemporaries of mine at Melbourne University. Mm-hmm. I heard they'd started a publishing company, and I didn't want to show this book to... Um, well, I mean, I, I didn't know any publishers. I didn't know how you got a book published. I didn't ha- have a clue, Yeah. And, uh, and I... Um, I heard that they had set up this outfit. So I got the address and I got on my bike and I put it in the basket at the back and I pedalled over there. Mm. And there they were sitting there. And um, I said, I think I might have written a book. And they said, well, um, why don't you give it to us and we'll have a look at it and see if we want to publish it. Well, I don't remember if they said that bit. I said you could leave it (laughs) with us. And so I left it there and I pedalled home. And I remember I rode across the Fitzroy Gardens. And uh, I thought, this is really embarrassing, but I thought, I bet by the time I get home they will have read it <laughs> and they would have rung up and said, yes, we'd love to publish it. <laughs> and, of course, I didn't hear from them for a couple of weeks. And, I mean, that, of course, in modern times would be considered a very fast turnover. <laughs> but, um, so oh, was they that
1: ex- th- Was that excruciating, waiting?
2: Um... You, don't, do you I don't remember. I've no. blotted it out, yeah. Yep. I probably didn't. I mean, I thought that it was... I don't think I'd shown it to anyone. I don't know. It was just... Mm. I didn't know how you presented a manuscript. It was on... What's the smallest type of paper in the old days? that don't have it anymore. Is it quarto? And, and, um, and tr- I didn't know you had to have margins or double spacing or anything. It was this awful-looking manuscript. It was just a block of right. type. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so they, yeah, they said they liked it and, and, um, and they published it and it came out about a year later. So it's 1977.
1: Yeah. Um, it's a watershed moment in Australian literature and your life, I presume, suddenly changes dramatically. Let me think, did it? <laughs> Thanks, Helen. No, um, sorry. I mean, it must,
2: there must have been... Well, you know, well, suddenly, know, you, okay, suddenly so you've so written
1: a bestseller. OK,
2: yeah, all right, well, uh, yeah, but...
1: <laughs> you, you've, you've, you've wondered whether or not, you, you've grappled with the idea of whether or not you, you could be a writer, mm. and that question's answered for you in a, in a pretty profound way. I presume also suddenly you go from kicking around with, um, you know, the, the kind of the Carlton push, And you're, you know, a big star in this scene. So,
2: um, the Carlton push was composed of, it it was not a literary or bookish push. Right. It was a very musical and performing type of push. Right. So, um, (laughs) uh, I didn't hang out with other writers. No, no. no. And uh, for for many years I didn't hardly know any other writers. Okay. But uh, no, I'm not trying to No, 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 uh, no, no just, your question. No, 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 I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, um, it's, but it's almost as though you're, you're suggesting that um, these other art forms were kind of considered perhaps in the circle you were moving in, the, the theatre was considered more, um, was kind of a higher status than.
2: I don't know, yeah, I don't know about the status. I think it was a kind of political thing that um, people felt that, Um, they were doing something politically radical in theatre. Right. And so, I I mean, I don't even know... I think people were kind of embarrassed by the book, and and it's... um, Well, I don't know if I'm thinking about my own embarrassment, but but it's not like people rushed up and said, hey, hell, fantastic, you've written this great book, good on you, you know? No. It was more like... um, I, I remember being kind of mortified.
1: But well, that's why I about. suppose. Excuse me if I sort of if I laugh slightly before. You're I allowed. Thought, <laughs> no, that was because I, I sort of thought this is the I'm probably the um, the um, piece of art that will kind of define that era. But I like that at the time. It, you, it sounds as though it was considered by some of the people you were associating with as a sort of you know the bourgeois thing where everyone's also, you know, it's a novel, it's sort of antiquated, and they're also searching for where they are in the book. Yeah, but, you that know, too. Yeah. There was
2: a list that was being circulated around the households, I was told, that said which, who it's decoded a, who everybody who was. Ca- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who each character really wa-
1: really was. Um, I loved, I read that you, um, you wrote, uh, you know sometime later, um, that you'd had an unexpected visitor. The man I called Javo in my first novel, Monkey Grip, turned up at my front door. He looked fabulous, you know, like a crazy red Indian, healthy as can be, the father of two kids and talking like a Buddhist. (laughs) We stood in my backyard looking at the vegetables and he said, listen, Hells, I used to think Monkey Grip was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but now I love it. My only criticism is that you should have left in all our real names.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgotten that. Yeah, Yeah. well, I, I, I remember going through the manuscript and changing all the names. I mean, I didn't change them until... Mm, I don't think I did, I don't remember that. But I remember changing... I learned something about changing names in, in a manuscript. I learned that when you find a new name, it has to have the same rhythmic pattern yeah. as the real name. Yeah. Uh, so, because if you don't, it throws your whole sentence out of whack. Mm. That was kind of exciting mm. for me to realise because it made me realise that my sentences had a rhythm. And I hadn't put the rhythm there on purpose, but uh, I, I noticed how easy it was to th- throw the rhythm out of whack. And, uh, and that, that gave me a real thrill. Mm. That was probably... And this, this is only just occurring to me now, mm. that that was a moment where I thought that... Um, I mean, I, I, mostly when people publish a book. It's not until uh, quite some time afterwards that they think, well, now I can call myself a writer. Mm, mm. You, you, to call yourself a writer, it seems mm. very premature and audacious for, for quite some years. Yes, yes. In fact, I reckon I'd probably published a couple of books before I could yeah. say. Yes. But I remember coming into Australia once from... Going through customs, I think, in Queensland? Could that be possible? Anyway, I, I, I came through um, security and the mm. guy looked at my passport mm. and or my boarding card and mm. said, Oh. And he looked at me, stared at me. Mm. I thought, Oh no, he thinks I've got, he's going to go through my bag or something. Yeah. And he said, um, I said, Is everything all right? And he said, Yeah, it says here you're a writer. I said, Yeah, that's right. And he said, I've never actually seen one before. <laughs> so he looked at me with a deep curiosity.
1: <laughs> so uh, this, this book was um, groundbreaking um, in its depiction of sexuality, drug use, um, the power politics between men and women. Uh, the depiction of of maternal ambivalence um, and... (laughs) Otherwise
2: known as lax parenting. (laughs) By other people, not me.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I I think that the the book, you know, where where we follow Nora and um, her struggle with ambition and how to live and how to sort of fit all these parts together, and you know, in whatever parenting style it is. Um <laughs> yep. So, I mean, it it, it you know it was a kind of seismic event. This publication, and I, I guess I um, it sounds. Did Did you know that you'd done something special? I guess that's what
2: I I. And I, maybe. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I. Well, see that I, I should mention one thing that. The year after I published the book, I applied... I I heard there was this thing called the Literature Board and that they gave writers money. And I thought, ooh, I'll uh, make an application. So I applied for a grant and I got one. And at the same time, uh, one of my grandmothers died and she left me, I don't know, 2,000 bucks or something. And so that seemed rather a lot of money at the time. Mm. And so I just packed up and went to... went overseas with my Mm. daughter. Mm. So I'm... so, uh, let's see, the book came out, I don't know, late in 77 and, and I went in to live overseas yes. uh, in April 78, mm. I remember now. Mm. And so a lot of the stuff that was said and written about the book happened when I wasn't here. Right. Because in those days there was no internet and, you yeah. know, you never knew what was going on. And um, so I... Um, it won a prize, but but I was in, in yeah. another country, and so I thought, oh, that that's really nice. It's won a prize, but I, but then you know, people would send me cuttings and say, well, um, I don't think this book should have won a prize uh, because, because I mean, this is what then your closest cuttings friends, <laughs> no, it said, oh, you know this. Yeah. Okay. Well, you yes. know, this is something new. Yeah. But should it have really won the Book of the Year or whatever the hell it was? Mm. And I thought, oh God, maybe mm. it shouldn't. You know, mm. it, everything that was cr- critical of me, I, I took on board. And yeah. you know how, how you yes. do? Yes,
1: yes, of course. Yeah,
2: yeah. And
1: um, I, I mean, I think that you do write um, that first book out of a combination of sort of raw talent and brinkmanship in a way. And, <laughs> brinkmanship, yeah. And then um, you, you talked about the feeling that came to you later, um, maybe sort of some books later, that you were a writer. So let's, you know, now with we're, we're sitting in this hall and with the benefit of hindsight, we, we know that uh, you've had a... You know, a stellar career and writing amazing things now. Um, but to, to look back at the moment between, I mean, you know, it's a terrible cliche, the, the, the difficult second novel. Mm. But what were those years like after Monkey Grip when you were, were trying to um, write sort something of, else? Yeah, write something else.
2: Well, the next book I wrote was uh, rejected by um, the next thing I wrote which I wrote when I was in Paris, when I, when I was really homesick and hated it and, and didn't want to be there, um, was a, a really cack-handed um, sort of monkey-grip continuation. You know, I thought, oh, well, I've done it once, I can do it again, and I'll do the same thing, but more of it. Mm-hmm. And I handed it in to Hilary and I, and they just said, no, no way, this is no good it's no good, this bit here's all right and this bit here's not too bad, mm. but the rest of it's crap and you'll have to throw it out. So that's pretty bracing. Yeah. And, um, and I knew they were right. You know how sometimes when someone gives you savage criticism, it's no good complaining because in your heart you knew it was crap and you were just not bluffing, yeah, sort of bluffing, you know, all writing is bluff to some extent. But um, so then I don't know, I think. And even today you don't think. Another editor might have... Oh, absolutely not. No, no, no it okay. was just crap. <coughs> oh, it was okay. crap and it was lazy and it was... And I didn't really have anything else to say yet. But I... Um, so I came back to Australia and sort of tore it apart and, and um, came up with two little, those two little stories that are in honour and other people's children and mm-hmm. that was basically um, uh, all that was salvageable out of that... Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, of course, then the other thing that happened was when that second book came out, which was about two, two years later after the first one, um, then I got um, criticised because people say, oh, she's been living in Paris and this is still about Melbourne. As if I was now supposed yes. to be writing uh, hmm. um, about, I mean, they didn't actually say, and she went to Paris on taxpayers' money. <laughs> we, do, we expect more. But um, I, I, yeah, well, I was kind of, um, I, I was mortified by that, I, I thought. Um, did you take that on, did you take it, did you sort
1: of um, agree on some level? Uh, or? No,
2: no, I didn't because I, you know, it was as if, um, I think Anne Summers reviewed the book and she, the second book, and she... Um, you know, basically said, "Look, this is just more of the same. It's all just this suburban hippie stuff, and uh, we're, and and, she, and she's been living in Paris, and, and why doesn't she write? Why is her canvas so small? That was what people used to say back then about my work that that I was a small canvas writer and i uh, and that's a kind of blokey criticism that was made back then mm. and um, and I thought, well. How can I make it bigger? How how could I make a a bigger canvas? I I mean, I don't know anything about politics or history. I didn't, couldn't, and I was also very eager not to write about Australia um, as a spectacle. I mean, I didn't want to write about Australia imagining the reader to be not Australian. So they'd go, oh, is that what it's like in Australia? Mm. So I would have had to, you know, think up all sort of facts that mm. I had to put in there, and, yeah. and I, I knew for a that I didn't have any facts, and b that um, I just wasn't interested. No, so and, and you and you and and you also, of course, had
1: sort of um, anticipated, you know, Nausgaard and, and life writing <laughs> by, uh, you know. 30 or 40 years, so.
2: Well, I'm sure he'd love to hear that. Yeah, well, why not? Well, we'll
1: tell him. We'll, we'll write him a letter, Helen.
2: Yeah, well, well, you see, back then you weren't supposed to write um, first person. It, it wasn't kind of really the done thing. Mm. Uh, and But I would, was basically um, uh, kind of helpless vis-a-vis. First person. I but, that was really yes. all I knew how to do yeah. at that point. Yeah. But then
1: you emerge from that situation or feeling with the spe- with with counterpoint mm. in the children's bark. I mean, these these different voices yeah. and.
2: Well, yeah. By that time, I I don't know. In 1984. So. Yeah. Seven years later. So. I mean, on, on other people's children's not first person, but it, it's very much based on my personal life. But The Children's Bark is... Um, I don't know where that book came from. Um, there, there were some people that I knew... Uh, I mean, every character in The Children's Bark is very loosely based on a real person or um, the situations that are described in... In that book, uh, uh, you know, emerge from r- real ac- actual events, and then and then there's a lot of stuff in it that I totally made up. Yes. And uh,
1: do you think for just for the for you know I'm I'm sure everyone has read this book, but there might be one person who hasn't. Shall we? A children's bar. Yeah. I mean, oh, it, yeah. shall we? Shall we tell? Them oh, a bit okay. About...
2: Um, or what
1: the book is to, means to you, what the book is to you now. That's. Okay.
2: Well, see, I actually think the children's book's the best thing I've written by a mile, and I, I like it the best, and it's it still... Um, but when I pick it up and look at it now, when it was going to be reissued this time around, and I ha- had to have another look at it, mm. I just opened it at random. Can, and you, re- and can, can you reread your... Oh, your don't, I don't don't like no. to. Okay. No, but, but on this occasion, I just thought I'd have a look at it. And um, firstly, there were lots of things in it that I just simply do not remember having written. I mean, I, can, I, rec- I recognise my voice in there and I recognise the way I make a sentence, but uh, I, that really shocked me mm. that I'd... And, and that's why I like it, <laughs> because in order to write that book, I went into some different part yes, of myself. Yeah. And it's... A, a, um, I don't know how I got there mm. and
1: uh, do you have any sort of, were there any breadcrumbs that you can follow and tell us about or? Um,
2: no, I really don't, well, no, I don't know what to say about that book because, because as I said, it, it, it's sort of separate from me in a way and, and when, I, when I looked at it again recently and I saw, I know what it was when I got that review by James Wood No, is that the one he reviewed? No, um, Um, uh, Ben Lerner, right? Yeah, wrote this an introduction to this um, an American writer wrote an introduction to the book, and he he, quite he he, he, he calls
1: it a a beautiful lapidary rare novel. Um, Yeah, well,
2: I'm through the bits because anyway, I'll leave Ben Lerner out of this,
1: (laughs) uh, because I mean he's
2: a wonderful writer, but he's like a generation younger than me, and uh, and you know the book I I knew that the Children's Bark was good. I felt that it was good Mm. when I finished it, Mm. but when I look at it now, I think, this is fucking fantastic. (laughs) That's, I think, and I feel, but I feel I can say that because it's not, my connection with it is mysterious to me. I don't get it, whereas I would never look at monkey grip and say this is fantastic. I just wouldn't because I know where all the bodies are buried, so to speak.
1: But, uh, uh, you know, um, 45 years later, can you look at monkey grip though and, you know, have pride or affection or does it have a, no,
2: No. Well, I'll tell you something, Um, recently I was doing an interview with um, um, a writer called Tegan Bennett Daylight up in Sydney. And she, I mean, it was, um, she was interviewing me about this and that and she said, now, Helen, um, I'd like to get you to read a bit of Monkey Grip oh. in front of the audience. And I go, oh, please, God, don't let me let it be about sex and drugs. And I said, oh, do I have to? And she said, yes, I really want you to. And it's this passage here that I've marked. And she hands me the book. And I, th- I just thought, let me die now. But when I, when I read the passage out, it was a yes. page and a half, and it, all it was was an account of two people getting on bikes at the hippie house with kids on the back yeah. and dinking their bikes to the swimming pool. Yeah. And it was really nice. Yes. It was peaceful yes. and sort of sweet. Yes. And, and it made me remember the Edinburgh Gardens. And I thought, oh, that's all right. And I was so relieved yeah. that I just about yeah. burst into tears <laughs> of relief. Cause, but, but I know the book itself is... Um, Kind of excruciating to me because it's very raw. Yes. It's raw, big yeah. and, and, and I didn't learn, I hadn't learned how to um, defend myself in it no. or, or to
1: detach right. from it. Right. No, that. but I mean, that's what gives it sort of, you know, still its electricity. Yeah I, I I, I think. yeah, I can see that, yeah. that that's the case yes. just from what people say. but you don't to want to have to read it, more than the, the dinking passages. <laughs> no, I don't want to go back and
2: read it again. Which,
1: I mean, that is a sort of, I mean, it is, you know, even, I mean, it's extraordinary on its literary merits, but also as a historical document, I mean, it does sort of portray this now-vanished world because, I mean, all of those properties are worth millions of dollars and we have our kids in bubble wrap
2: and... um, Yeah. Um, uh, Recently, my, um, I I, I was, um, I had a went to a literary festival, a book festival at a high school and two young kids were were going to interview me about my work and of these two bright-faced young kids, I suppose they were about 15 or 16, um, were sitting on the stage and and, and this young girl said to me, I'm I'm, I'm sort of shocked that people at that age have read the book anyway, (laughs) but uh, she said, no, Helen, um," or Mrs. Garner, she said, I'd like to speak to you about... um, about um, um, some of the things in the book that, that I found rather shocking. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I said, um, yes, so what were those? And she said, well, for example, there's one part where Nora takes her little girl to a party and they don't get home till one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was, that relieved something in yeah. me as well. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you could just say that it was just only one night. Yeah, yeah,
2: I made her sleep in the next day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, the children's bark is um, such a different um, creature in that, I mean, it's, it's half the size of monkey grip. Um, There's still, you have um, the... Um, you know, you're, you're the sense that um, it's written the, the, on this narrator, nothing is lost. And I really love the way that Lerner talks about um, it being faceted and that you move um, so easily between the surface of, of characters and, then, and their depths. Um, but it has the same, so, so I suppose it has the same raw power, it has the, s- the same eye. Um, but there's also now you've got um, a, a sort of sense of, um, well, of counterpoint, but also of, st- of st- structure. I mean, there's, um, and, and the sort of that, the, I mean, the, it's rhythmical. There's a musical element, of course, all the way through mm. it. But it, there's a sense of, of um, I'm just babbling on, the stru- structure. And... Um,
2: uh, a kind of I don't know where. I, I, see, I mean, I've read about twenty million novels, so I think by reading, I absorbed how you do things, and I I, I know that people do creative writing courses now, and I think you must have to you know, have sort of um, more highly articulated ability to analyse structure in somebody else's work, but. Um, I, I don't know how. There's some kind of instinct that works. Um, I think that the influence, the influence on a writer from everything she's ever read, is unconscious to a large extent. Mm. So that, um, but but I find that I can, uh, by instinct, feel when something's gone off the rails. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't. It's, it's very, That's why editors are wonderful, of yeah, course, because yes. you, you go off the rails, and you think, well, yeah, this is really great, and you're following some yeah. you're down a rabbit hole. Yeah. And and the editor will say, um, look here on page forty-three. This is where you've gone off the rails. And you, then of course you say, oh yeah. If you've had, got a, I had a great editor, which was Hilary McPhee, and with, just with such a light touch, yes. They can just say, you know. Swing the wheel. Yeah. And but, but there's, some, there's some instinct and influence that, that enters you after decades of reading and reading and reading and that was what, that, that's something that, that amazes me about sometimes I've been writer-in-residence in, at, at a writing course and I'll mm-hmm. say, okay, what does everyone read? <clears throat> they don't read. I say, when was the last book, what was the last book you read? and the kid will say, oh, I think I did read a novel when I was in year 12. Can I, what are you doing here? Mm. What, I, I just genuinely want to ask that question. Yeah. You know, that yeah. sort of, Gerald Monane says somewhere that he always wants to say to, and in fact, says to his students, do you like sentences? <laughs> and, and that seems to me like a very profound question because if you don't enjoy handling language, and putting a sentence together, and if you don't get a thrill out of looking at someone else's sentence and say, my oh God, that is fantastic, mm. how did she do that? Mm. And then you look at it and you can see the joints and the, yes. and the way it's stitched yes. on, that to me is completely yes. thrilling. Yeah. And I can't understand anybody being a writer who didn't care f- yeah. f- for st- structure, mm. well, we're getting back to structure, and how you can... You can just give a tiny swing to the wheel and something mm, moves. Yes. That's the thrilling yeah. thing. And you, particularly in a small piece of work, I mean, a shorter novel. Well, it's the, so pared
1: back compared yeah. to... And uh, I love the, on that monkey grip, sort of everything's on the page, and it works. But, you know, this is... Something's happened to you in those seven years... Yeah. Um, ..that's made this other sort of magical form, which I think then we see... Um, in your work going forward, that sense of being able to swing the wheel and, mm. and holding back and um, sort of, f- for, for, you know, marshalling the power and kind of forming it.
2: And, and, cutting, cutting, yes, and cutting, cutting, cutting and cutting and cutting and, 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 and stitching
1: and stitching because, I mean, yeah. um, that is also very clear how carefully um, it's, it's put together on mm. the page.
2: Well, well it's very... Um, it's very thrilling to cut. <laughs> I, there's something I've found over the years is that if something's not working, it usually means there's um, too much of it there. Mm. Uh, and I've found that um, if, you, if there's a big sort of swampy patch and you cut a great chunk out of it mm. and throw it away, what yep. was on either side of it suddenly goes zing mm. and it just kind mm. of leaps, a spark mm. leaps mm. across between the two bits mm. that surrounded the piece of shit that you threw out. <laughs> and, and, and I find that really thrilling. You see what you've got. Yeah.
1: Um, both of these books, um, in a way, provide a roadmap for the subjects that you'll be drawn to uh, later in, in your yeah. work. And... Um, I, I liked Karen Goldsworthy's description of, um, of these works being about the relationship between sexual behavior and social organization, the anarchic nature of desire and the orderly face of the institution of family. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know in in both of these books, the sexual world is a, is a, a brutal world, but it's one where where your characters feel alive yeah. and uh, learn about
2: themselves mm. and um um, along the, uh, on that topic, I think i 'm actually really um, quite puritanical, and i 've got more and more puritanical as i 've got older, and I disapprove of lots of things now that I once would have thought were fabulous and free and I mean, you know, as you get older, you just realise how much cruelty there is between people, how, uh, you know, I look back on my young self and, and I see th- this rampaging um, ego and I want that and I'll have it. Doesn't matter. I like matter. that.
1: I'm going down to the pool.
2: Yeah. i <laughs> <and laughs> my <laughs> babies. don't care what you say. <laughs> No, but I I mean, I feel, I don't know if this is the fate of all Puritans as they get older, but, you know, I suffer from extreme mortification when thinking about the way I have lived in earlier times. And uh, so that's another reason why when she handed me the page of Monkey Grip and it was about riding to the pool, I thought, well, I wasn't... Which is, and the pool
1: is like, I mean, that's what I... The pool is also seems to be where everyone picks up, you know, I mean, that's like...
2: What gave you that impression? That is absolutely not so. (laughs) We were there with our children. (laughs) Come on, Helen, I've I've read the book. Well, nobody, you know, everyone was wearing bathers and we were all young and gorgeous, so I guess that's what, yeah, those were the days. (laughs) 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 I've got some friends who live just over the wall, the big wall at the back of the Fitzroy Baths. And when I go to visit them and I can hear everybody playing and laughing and all the splashing and screaming and I think, oh, gee, they were great times. Yeah. They really were. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I wonder whether or not the sort of libertine and the puritan are always kind of, you know, um, in the same, you know, the same coin. Struggle. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I always feel sympathetic to criminals, I suppose. I mean, not just sympathetic to them, but um, keen to understand them. Mm. And I—that's uh, I, something I've found with, with you know those works about trials. Yes, that uh, how how it sort of shocks and grieves me that people are so quick to declare somebody to be a monster or not human. And I, I. Find. I feel very strongly about that. And um, how do you be a Puritan who doesn't judge? Can you be? Do you think? Well, I'm not
1: sure. i I'm, I'm, I'm. No.
2: And I'm not against judgment. I'm quite keen on it. I okay. think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean. Yeah. Well, you know how everybody's. You get praised for for being non-judgmental. Well, I think that's wimpy. I think. <laughs> I think that. Um, mm. I, I think people need to. And how can you go through life without making moral judgments? Well, yeah, we make them, you know, all the time about yeah. each other. Yeah. But people pretend they don't. Uh, and, and, but one uh, of
1: yours is about, you know, your, your, your sort of, your judgement is partly about the judgement of others, you know, or, or judging. I um, mean. <laughs> yeah, there's layer after layer, layer of judgement. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Helen, is there, um, I wonder, it's, it's interesting to me how you marry these, uh, this fiction with the, with the, you know, which we're, we, we sort of, we've moved into sort of the future or, uh, mm. you know, the, the, um, and your nonfiction. How do you kind of, do you see, how do you see those two sort of um, relating to each other? Mm. Um, Yeah, I'm never quite sure what to say about that because... um, Sorry, it's a kind of dumb non-question because actually I've lost my place here,
2: so... No, no, I'm very interested in... um, I mean, then you... I'm interested in how I wound up writing yes. that stuff and yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get back or if I am going to get back. To, I mean, f- to I, fiction? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if I could do it anymore. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I... I mean, I love reading novels. I read a lot of non-fiction, but I, I, I love a good novel. Mm. And and I loved writing novels, mm. but I don't know if I've, um, if I've still got the skill to do it because it's... Um, I, I just remember there are some times in writing, this never happens to me in writing nonfiction. there are times in writing fiction where I felt a huge freedom and something got a grip on me and away I went and suddenly it's 20 minutes later and I've written this thing that I didn't, that isn't a product of my intellect. Mm. It's a product of my intellect plus some other mysterious force and that doesn't really happen to me in non-fiction. Mm. Does it happen to you?
1: Yes, I, I think it does
2: sometimes. In, I mean, I think. Yeah, yeah, I
1: think that um, when. Um, at the hard bits, when you sort of have to sort of dig down and, and mm. hope that something does come from another mm. place.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: there are moments.
2: Yeah. Well, um, if there weren't moments like that, you know, it would be just pure slog. Yes, absolutely. It? That would yeah. be. Yeah. Um, but oh, mm. no,
1: please. You go. No, I was
2: just thinking. Um, th- think... I, I would never try to write a novel that was pulled out of thin air. I, I'm not interested in that. I mean, the, the only things I want to write are things that are kind of burning me up in some way, and uh, I uh, so I have to wait until something kind of crashes on me from outer space in a way, or something surges up in my in my life and immediate world mm. that uh, that I could would see as a possible shape that might. I might write a novel about. So mm. I'm, I'm hoping that'll happen. But mm. yeah,
1: it's happened before.
2: Yeah, but you know, I wasn't so old then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but isn't the, I mean, isn't that one of the, the the great things about this profession? Is that you keep getting better. I mean, not everybody does, but you you, you do. I mean, you Thanks. you are fantastic to start with. But I mean, the the work that you've been doing most recently is um, some of some of the, your best... Well, thanks, Chloe. Well,
2: you're welcome. Isn't yeah. you're no, right, seriously. Helen? I mean, you, you, you sort of... Um, yeah, Well, because I've mostly been writing, you know, what would be called journalism, I suppose. Well, the last column I did for the monthly, I couldn't face doing that courts column any longer because it was just too sad. I mean, mm, going to yes. the magistrate's court, yeah. and, and you just see this stream of wretchedness pass before you, and it's hard to... Get a grip on it and say anything about it that's not, you know, there's something almost pornographic sometimes about sitting in a court where people are just, um, you know, sort of writhing in their unhappiness and, yeah. and loss and sorrow. Mm. But you talk, were in control, I mean, if we, will, if we want to take it back to monkey grip, you
1: mm. were in control of the sort of brutalities of the world that you found yourself in mm. and the people in the courthouse. Mm. You know I'm not. I'm
2: not. That's true, but when I was writing that, the last time I the column I was wanted to write for the monthly, it was I, I went to Ballarat because there was going to be a, um, um, a sentencing hearing there um, about this certain crime and well alleged crime, and uh, I went there. And I thought, great, this is going to be my. Column, I can write about it and, uh, and I'll do it. In, uh, it's one day's work in the court. So I hop on the train and, and go to Ballarat. And when I got there, I found that th- the hearing that I thought was going to be on wasn't on. Mm. And it was just a five minute, you know, okay, we're not doing it today, we're doing it in January. And I thought, oh no. And I had a deadline, so I had to come up with something. So I went home and I just pulled together all these scraps that were lying around and I described the. Um, what did happen in the court and how annoying it was and how my hearing aids played up. And, and But then at the end, I just wrote this one last paragraph that made me feel so happy. And I thought it was one of those moments perhaps mm. where mm. Um, it, it was a bit, not fictiony, but that yes. kind of charge yeah, yes. that I thought, oh, well, I've come back and I'm empty-handed and I've pulled together all this other stuff, but I didn't want to waste. Yes. And then I just listed all the wonderful things that I'd yes. seen that day that yes. were thrilling and beautiful and that made me glad. And I just went boom, boom, boom. And suddenly there they were. And I was able to say the sweetness of strangers Mm. who congregate in public places where waiting is done. And that was one of those moments where I just said, oh, thank you. Mm. Where did that come from? Mm. And there it was. You know, I didn't have to labour over it. But isn't it funny how often it comes when
1: when you think you've got nothing, where you actually, you know... Sorry to get religious, but, I mean when, it, when it, uh, around, when I mean, when it's hardest, you know, there can yeah. be some sort of moment of grace.
2: Yeah, it is. It's a moment of grace or a blessing. Mm. It just kind of something uh, lands there or yeah. passes through you and yes. suddenly there it is and it? it's all yes. perfect. But it can only be perfect because you have worked your ass off for 50 years.
1: <laughs> right. Every
2: day. Yeah. That's why. People have to should write diaries and practice. Mm. And I remember reading some T. S. Eliot said something about that once. Mm. And he said, "You know, you've got to practice and practice until the day that you've actually got something to say, mm. and then you've got mm. the wherewithal to say it." Yeah.
1: I was going to ask you whether or not, if you now, um, after a, 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 such a such an illustrious career, if you um, Look back at yourself going to the state library, um, write, writing there. What advice you would give you? would give to the
2: young Helen Garner. To you know any any no not writer, to actually to yourself
1: to, to you. We just you can be you can be selfish for. A... Oh
2: okay. Um, what do I give as advice? Read more, just keep reading, read, really? read, read, read and mm-hmm. read in spite of when you get bored and read instead of having stupid love affairs with people. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> breaking people's hearts and yeah, I think that's what I'd say, read and read and keep practising, yeah. Do you, you don't begrudge yourself to love affairs? No, what would be the point? You know, I, no, I'm grateful for a lot of them, you yeah. know, I'm grateful for the, yeah. The sweetness of strangers <laughs> or oh, not strangers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: husbands yes, well there's, there they can be strangers too <laughs> um, well I, I um, thank you to this sort of sweet group of of, of, of strangers tonight um, I, um, I'd also sort of wanted to say. Uh, Helen, you know, I, I think that you um, um, do have a sort of share with Bach, a, um, I think I might have even pronounced that correctly then, um, a, a seeming simplicity which is so much more uh, complex and powerful and sonorous than uh, it looks on, on first blush. And... Um, I'd also, you know, like to thank you for your generosity to me and to uh, so many other um, younger writers. You've, you know, been um, just such a supporter and, um, you know, quiet cheerleader to. Uh, I know so many people who it's made uh, enormous difference to. So, you know, here we are in the church and. Uh, Ms. Garner, it's right to give her thanks and praise. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please thank Chloe Hooper also.